curious whether this just happens at my place or whenever we order a plate of sushi and there is that last piece left. An actual war occurs as to who's gonna have it. Because believe it or not, you love sushi, I love sushi, and we all love sushi. And uh, it's not that I'm hungry or something, but our next guest, Suyash Keshri, also known as Sushi, is a 25-year-old wildlife presenter and filmmaker. He quit his political advocacy job in Washington, D.C. with one goal, to fulfill his childhood dream of having his own wildlife series and influencing people across the globe about the need and urgency to conserve our wild spaces. His journey started by capturing some shots in Madhya Pradesh when he was four. That was the time when he fell in love, not with a person, but with the camera. He knew that the camera is going to be his lifelong best friend. In December 2019, his series was picked up by WWF International for a web release. He has achieved heights in the field of wildlife, though he majorly studied political science and journalism. Suyash loves playing football, drinking coffee, chasing sunsets, and meeting new people. And we have this super fun personality today with us on the Story Truck. Enjoy this episode. Hi, Suyash. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. And um, like, thank you so much for responding. It means a lot for a small-time podcast like us. <laughs> No, it's my pleasure. You know, um, I started very young with whatever I'm doing. So I'm happy to always support uh, young people trying to be out there, trying to hustle and do something. So it's my pleasure. Thank you, Suyash. Okay, so um, everybody knows about your journey because I already pre-recorded something in the video. Um, what I want to <laughs> ask is, <laughs> um, yeah. I read about this uh, time when as a kid you visited the zoo and uh, you saw the tiger mm -hmm. for maybe one of your first time or something like that and um mm -hmm. you got really excited and then your grandfather asked you this question that uh, do you want to see them caged up throughout their life mm -hmm. so would you say that was like the defining moment of your life or was it like a call i think like yeah i think not not of my life but i i think definitely my childhood mm -hmm. because as a young person or not even young, like I was a kid. I was four years I was old. A kid, right? I was four years old. Right. And yeah, it's one of my earliest childhood memories. I, when you're so young, you don't really have kind of um, ways to look at the world. You can't judge the world. You can't analyze the world. Right. You only uh, you only learn what you're taught. So right. I think for my analogy to tell me that these these tigers and these animals are not the same as that you see in tv uh, these are caged up in these four by four cages for the rest of their life i think of course it set the path rolling in into watching more documentaries online then picking up books about wild animals learning more making an effort to go see them outside so i think it, it has to be a very defining moment for my childhood uh, not of my life because you see life is too long to just be defined by one moment. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's that moment and then the moment when I um, saw my first leopard or first tiger. There's also the moment when I left the United States. There's also the moment when I gave up this passion. And then there's also the moment that I actually came back to this passion. Uh, so there are a lot of life defining moments as such, uh, but that one has to be a very, uh, it has to be up there for sure. 
we can go on safaris or we can go to even your bird parks which yeah. are mostly within the cities like delhi mumbai we have so many birds in delhi we have 400 species of birds in mumbai you can see flamingos right, right. in mumbai yeah. uh, there's leopards in mumbai which people don't understand and and the thing is nature is accessible uh, a wildlife safari is accessible seeing things online is very accessible now more so right. than ever so this concept about animals are there just for our entertainment uh slowly needs to go down earlier it was there in circuses believe it or not growing up i have gone to circuses where i've seen tigers uh, elephants lions leopards uh, in the circuses mm. this is when i was like 3 or 4 years old around the same time when i when you know all of this right. started interesting me mm. and i i could you not when i was 3 4 years old going to a circus seeing an elephant do those juggles with the ball and on seeing a tiger like go through a loop which is on fire right it really excited me when i was that young but that's only because i didn't know that the tiger the elephant and other animals their soul is actually broken down for them to be able to do this they're not doing this willingly right so i think similarly with zoos they're not there because of their will But when you go to a place like a national park they are born and brought up there right. today if they feel they can they can move 10 20 30 kilometers somewhere else today if they feel like that this 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 area doesn't uh, you know I don't like this area mm. they can move around uh, they can sit under any tree they like they can eat whatever they like they right. can patrol their territory they can meet other animals and in zoos that's just not possible uh, and you know animals can be for our entertainment but the entertainment should not be at their cost yeah you can still go out yeah you can still go out in the wild and when you see tiger playing with her babies or tigers playing with her cubs um or if you see a deer um just grazing away that's still pleasurable that's still entertainment right. but it's not at the expense of the animal right there is a thin line between entertainment for yourself and entertainment for commercial purposes so um yeah right well i think um wildlife tourism is also commercial i don't see a problem with commercial i think the problem becomes when the commercial um or or rather when the when the when everything starts or anything starts impending on the movement of animals their lifestyle mm. and really starts hurting them which tourism sometimes does uh, not as much as people think but sometimes right. yes so um i had a question about ethical tourism because um, so we've <clears throat> all yeah. gone on field trips and uh, to national parks as kids via school so do you think mm. there should be not a cause as such but there should be some kind of ethics ingrained in the foundational years itself like when you go to a zoo or a national park do not litter yeah. do not um like you know whatever call the animals or take photos with a flash on yeah. you know stuff like that 100% because yeah. um i think I, our education system 
Right. Sorry, please continue. No, because I've seen that happen myself and uh, it's just sad. So I wanted to know your view on it. Yeah, yeah. I think our educational system really forgets what is important. Um, and it's not only about wildlife, right? For example, like we are taught, which I still don't remember, how many wives Akbar had. We're taught how many uh, mehels and houses right. did Akbar have. Hmm. Um, what happened in 1822, what happened in 1912, but we're not taught how to deal with our emotions. We're not taught how to manage right. our finances. We're not taught how to start a business or a podcast. Mm. Uh, we're not taught that we have to respect environment, respect wild animals. Right. We're not taught that we have to stop littering. Uh, we're not taught about carbon emissions. We, we just know there's global warming in school, but we don't know how the ways to right. stop it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We're taught that there's pollution, but we're not taught about ways that our um, activities are leading to pollution mm. and how we can stop those activities and maybe the pollution will decrease. So I think all of that also bundles down into how people behave and act when right. they go into a national park. Mm. Because, and, and, and I'm not saying that's just, you know, because all kinds of people come into right. national parks and if you're going to a national park it is kind of assumed that you could have you have gone some education because they are expensive right um, some education doesn't mean it has to be in the best school but some education also mean you can you've grown up in a rural village and you went to that school right the thing is all of those schools it's the responsibility of the government the teachers and also people like us to inculcate in every single person um the, the ethics and ideas right. about uh, about saving the environment, conserving it, and how to behave. I always say to my guests when they're on safaris with me, hey guys, let's behave like animals, not as humans, because animals inside inside the wow. inside the wild, they don't they yeah they, they don't litter. Yeah. Uh, they are very silent most of the time unless they're being attacked or eaten. <laughs> um, sorry, I know that sounds really bad. No, and no. most of the times they're just minding their own business. Right. Um, so that's what I tell them. Yeah, that is um, amazing because uh, I had a question regarding <laughs> that, that what have you learned from animals, which no human can ever teach you? And I'm sure there'll be many learnings, but like if you could highlight a few. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, you know, I think I think Solo, uh, this tigress who I followed for nearly seven and a half, eight years, um, Solo, Spotty, Dotty, Dabadol, all these females that I've followed and some of the males I've followed as well. I have been able to get into their lives in a very, very deep manner because if you're seeing some the same animal for days and days and days, if not weeks on an end, and you see them at least 100, right. 200 days in a year, or you spend 300 days just trying to track them, you kind of under, understand them and maybe you know some people say that maybe they understand you but i don't see that it's a bond right because for them it's just like yeah <laughs> maybe there is a bond somewhere down the line um but but i don't know that's questionable because there's so many other people around as well it's just not it's, it's not me and my vehicle there's right. tourists coming in and out maybe if it was just me and my vehicle with solo for like eight months then there must be a bond um, right. but i don't know but what I was getting to is 
when you observe them so closely, when when you start understanding their day to day lives, when you start understanding mm. how they're doing, you start kind of like learning from them as well. Mm. For example, one thing Solo really taught me is that no matter how difficult things are in your life, no matter how uh, abysmal your life must seem, you have to kind of always remember what is in front of you and, and, and act towards it. So in 2019, Jan- January 4th, 2019, Solo had a huge fight with a male tiger and her chest right. was was completely torn open. So that, that chest was completely torn, her chest rather was completely torn open. And at that time she had four cubs. They were just about two months old. And I thought like she's gonna, she's gonna die. But she went back and, and the first thing she did was go and check on her cubs, make sure she's fine, they're fine. And then she tried going on for a hunt, but she couldn't hunt mm. and then of course, the forest department had to sedate her and, and tranquilize her to sew up her wounds. Mm-hmm. But then they tied up a buffalo and she stalked nearly 45 minutes to get to the buffalo. Oh. When she got to the buffalo and tried jumping on the buffalo, the buffalo kicked her straight on the chest, exactly the point where her, her flesh had torn open and she ran back and then she waited again for one and a half hours just to come back and and try getting the buffalo and at that time you know the buffalo's life ended right in front of me and it was very sad just hearing the buffalo scream but then that also taught me like if if solo doesn't hunt the buffalo then solo won't survive and so all four won't Mm -hmm. survive right yeah and 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 the thing is like when you look at wildlife, when you look at animals, then you realize we, we've forgotten that at, at the end of the day, we just have to find a way to survive. So we have to eat well, we have to stay healthy, we have to maintain relationships. Right. But we get into so many complications in life. Like, oh, how many likes did I get in, on this mm. photograph? Or what does that person think of me? What does that person think of right. me? Or am I going to do this? Am I going to be successful? And then if I think about it like a tiger, I'm not thinking, oh, Solo must be thinking what Davado thinks so far. I don't think so. <laughs> She's just going on with her yeah. life, even if it's right. really difficult. So I think like, I think, I think um, wildlife has really made my thought process uh, a little more linear, a little more simple. Wow, that was really very well said. And I like the analogy (laughs) that you created. That's great. Okay, so I watched your whole series on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. what I observed was that uh, y'all are very close to tigers, right? While shooting them in the Jeep. And uh, so how is the safety ensured, like, you know, of you guys? Because... After all, yeah. it's like the proximity is really close and it is a wild animal, right? So yeah. then how does it work? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant question. I get that a lot of times. And the thing is, um, you when you're in a national park, uh, you, as a tourist, you have to work with trained professionals. Mm-hmm. So I tell everyone going to a national park, don't go out there alone. 
first it's illegal second you always mm-hmm. have to be with a trained naturalist or a trained guide or a trained mm-hmm. forest ranger when it comes to me um i'm trained myself i've done i've been doing this for a very long time it's part of my job so i like back in africa i've got this training which um essentially allows me to track the big five on foot so the big five of africa are lion mm-hmm. buffalo rhino leopard and uh who did i forget Oh my god, I can't believe. Elephant. Okay, yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I got the big five for a second. But, you know, um those are the big five of Africa. So, I got the training to track the track them on foot um and of course from a vehicle to ensure a safe distance and what happens if they get too close or if you get too close mm-hmm. what happens if they try charging at you or Okay, what happens you? if they get um, too close? Altogether. I want to know. Like what would you do? What's the um, protocol? Every every animal is different. Okay, so every species is different. Every animal and every individual is different mm. as well. So, for example, with tigers, if they are close to me, I'm looking at their ears. I'm looking at their tail. Okay, if the tiger kind of moves its ear back, and the the tip of the tail kind of goes like that, it's getting agitated. Oh. Okay. okay? Then the third thing the ta- tiger will do is snarl like like mm. that. And if you don't heed to that sign, that's when the tiger is going to charge. Charge okay. as in like it's going to come running at you, uh kind of teeth blaring out. Mm-hmm. And then if you still don't heed to all of these signs, then you're in trouble if you don't know how to handle the next situation. Oh. And then if the tiger is charging at you, by the way anyone listening please do not try this okay please i i don't take any responsibility for this i'm cutting this um, out of the interview <laughs> so if the tiger is coming <laughs> um yeah so if the tiger is coming at you like that uh then in my experience what, what we have done this has happened three times twice um on foot and actually three times on foot and many times on vehicles um So I said twice first is cuz twice we were literally on foot and the third time I was standing uh kind of like on a machan when the tiger charged and and what you have what what we did is we literally put our hands up and we scream like really scream like Aah! and you have to scream at the top of your lungs and make sure it's coming straight from here like if you if if you don't mean it like the tiger is going to know yeah. and the tiger is going to stop because it's going to get confused like okay again for animals it's about survival if mm-hmm. if you do that and and then the tiger is like okay maybe he can injure me if i get injured then i won't be able to hunt right if i can't hunt maybe i will not be able to survive mm-hmm. but as i said individual every individual is different so let's take let's take uh tigers in bangladesh for instance okay I've tracked 76 tigers in Bangladesh. Actually now nearly 85. This previous trip um I I increased my count by 9. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, so these are different tigers. And of them about 25 to 30 have been able to follow their lives since they were cubs. So when it comes to uh Spotty or Solo or Dabadol, if they are to charge at me and if I was to do this, like i kind of know that they will stop okay because they are cubs but if no because because of their personality oh okay but if it was dotty if it was dotty i'm not too sure <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Okay, was he the the one that was eating on the carcass and not she. letting the siblings? Oh, she. Sorry, not letting the siblings. Yeah, have no, those are solo scubs. They are okay. Not, uh, These no, are not not those. Okay. Yeah. So Spotty Dotty are other females. Um, again, I've known them for nearly seven years now, and Dabadol also. So I know these females really well, or even the males. For example, if mm-hmm. I if Bajrang is to charge at me or Mahaman is to charge at me, and if I'm to do that, I know they'll stop. Okay. And and versus if it, if it's someone like Chakradhara male or Ghora Damon male. I love so these, these names. So these are different different names. You give them right? Yeah. Um, no, I didn't give them. I didn't give them. The local guides and and activists okay. give them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For example, Spotty, she's actually spot the T because she has a T-shaped marking on her forehead. Dotty has a D-shaped marking on her forehead. Oh. And these are like every tiger has a unique stripe pattern, just mm-hmm. like how you and I will have a different pattern on our thumb. Hmm. So as I was saying, you know, because I know their personalities in Bandhavgarh so well, if I if Bajrang and and Mahaman are to charge at me, I know that you know if I do this, they'll they'll stop. But versus Chakradhara male, Ghora Damon male, uh, Rancha male, I'm not too sure because because it's very difficult to judge them, um, and they are a little more aggressive because mm-hmm. they're not used to humans as much. Okay. Similarly, if Spotty has a ha, is on a kill, and is, if there are cubs nearby, then if she charges at me, like that's done, because because um, not because not if. When I'm in a vehicle, she won't charge at me mm-hmm. she, because they already know that the vehicles are just there and and they're part of the environment because no vehicle has harmed a tiger oh, yet, yeah. so they don't really care. Yeah, but when humans, you know, it's it's embedded in them. Humans hunt, humans uh, kill them, humans mm-hmm. poach them. Like it's actually embedded in their psyche just to fear that human form because mm-hmm. of thousands of years um, of of evolution. Mm-hmm. So if I'm on foot and and um, and you know, hypothetically, Spotty charges at me, and if they're cubs, that's a very dangerous situation. It's going to be very difficult to get out of that. Um, so that's why I see every tiger has a personality. Every mm-hmm. animal has a personality. Now, flip side, for example, if it comes to if it comes to comes to sloth bears, uh, if a sloth bear is charging at you, you will not stand a chance if you go like, eh. like it's going to kill you right there. Okay. When a software is charging at you, you have to run for your life. You have to run. Okay. You have to run for your life. I thought like, you know somehow you just like find a way. Lie down or something. I don't know that. And play dead. No yeah. chance. Not no. with sloth bears. That happens with American bears and grizzly bears. Not with sloth bears. Not at all with sloth bears. Okay. Um, with elephants, you know, they will put their. They, a lot of people think that when elephants put their ears out, that's when they're being aggressive. But that's just the first sign of aggression. Mm-hmm. If an elephant's ears out and the trunk is down, and if it comes charging at you, mm-hmm. then it's a mock charge. But mock charge, yeah. like they're just doing it yeah. to play around with you. Not or... play around, just to just to let you know, hey, back off. Okay. okay. That's my Sometimes first they warning. Also play yeah. around. Right. Mm-hmm. Then what they're also gonna do is they're gonna shake their head and go like, like that. And if you don't listen to all of those signs and back away. Okay. So you see, animals are giving you signs mm-hmm. that just leave, right. back away. If you don't back away, <clears throat> then the final charge comes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll also like kind of, kind of uh, do this with the mud. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that's just mocking. 
the final charge when it happens the elephant is actually gonna put its trunk under its teeth or not under its teeth under its tusk trunk. because because the trunk is the most sensitive part of the body if it loses the trunk or if it if the trunk gets hurt then the elephant is gone so it's actually gonna Protect fold it, it in right yeah mm-hmm. put the head down take the ears back and then come and then you're in trouble then yeah. you're in huge, and what is you're in then you trouble. just run right there is no escape no then you run yeah otherwise when it's mock charging when you go like hey hmm. it'll stop okay there's a video from my series like 2016 when i did my first uh, ever ever um film like presenting mm-hmm. in front of camera when an elephant charged at us we did that and he stopped like really really hard uh, well i didn't do it mm-hmm. i was still inexperienced and uh, i i didn't know much the the range actually did it mm-hmm. okay but if that elephant was charging you you know if he had his um his trunk down trunk and stuff on. like that mm-hmm. then that would be that would be problem then we have to run then we just have to find a way to get out of that situation so yeah. you've like trained specific specifically just to run fast right just to increase your stamina and your speed <laughs> yeah i'm a sportsman yeah 100% yeah, <laughs> I, yeah you know usain bolt style <laughs> oh <laughs> but yeah okay yeah. so um also we are aware that like you know when you're taking to get that perfect shot at times you spend like a day many days and, and yeah. i want to know has there been an incident wherein um, your focus has shifted from what you were intending to capture to something else yeah. or like yeah. just a funny incident where you've slept you don't realize that okay so much time has yeah. gone by not a lot of times actually um i'll tell you the incident because you said sleeping so <laughs> dotty uh who's this beautiful blue-eyed tigress mm-hmm. from bangalore and she is a very difficult female to understand okay uh we in hindi we always say wo chakma de deti hai hamesha she is very difficult mm-hmm. and wh- why it is is because you know if a tiger is walking like this on one path and if it goes right mm-hmm. then the chances are that it's going to keep going right and then come out on this road on the right right if it doesn't come out it'll just sit dot is the kind of female that she's going to go like this take right come back and then go again like this and then go on to this side of the forest okay. and then somehow she'll end up here and you won't even know you won't know <laughs> you, you literally wouldn't know hmm. like she will growl from behind us but like end up coming in front of us like it just doesn't make sense So one time we were waiting for Dotty and it was about 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. really really cold morning we heard her growling for literally 5 meters away like if i were to get off the jeep and walk towards her the tigress would be sitting right behind a bamboo again i would never do that that's illegal and I, that's just foolish mm-hmm. um so yeah we 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 just waited we waited 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 and and i i was like the bushes rush rustling and i can hear her she's going oh um oh, oh just kind of you know making her presence felt waited waited wait 7 became 8 am 8 am became 10 am and i fell asleep mm. after 10 am okay. and this girl came out but she came out like way behind us walked all over the road mm-hmm. okay and then we were like good up here who's my nature she's like swish get up and i was like mm-hmm. yeah what's up he's like you know we've been waiting here for too long let's go back and check 
<laughs> so we took the car around. We went back and checked, and literally her pug marks are everywhere, everywhere. for at least two and a half kilometers. <laughs> and I'm like, but that was like to kill myself. the only time, or like that happened. Yeah, I mean, like this. See, when you spend close to 250 days in the mm-hmm. wild, things like this happen all the time. <laughs> um, and the thing is, you don't beat yourself over it. And it's not right. because I slept, I missed the shot. It's mm-hmm. because it's dotty and plus like. What do we do? Right. Um, a lot of time, guests have missed the shot um, because they either sleep or like back in Africa, you're allowed to get off the vehicle sometimes. So mm-hmm. sometimes they guests tend tend to get off the vehicle just to relieve themselves. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, "Hey, you're gonna miss the shot. You're gonna miss the shot." They're right. like, "Oh no, no, the lion is just sleeping. He's too far away." And then they get off on this side. Uh-huh. And I'm like, "You're gonna miss the shot." The lioness is gonna come, and the male is gonna get up and snarl at her. And they're like, "No, no, Suya, she's been sleeping for four hours." Mm-hmm. So she she gets down on the left side. The lion is really far, and and he's kind of on the on the hill. That's why you know they got off on the left, which is mm-hmm. fine. And she gets off. Her husband gets off, and then the lioness comes. The lion gets up. Mm-hmm. Behind is the sunset. The lion gets up. The lioness is coming. The lion is snarling at the lioness, and behind that, them is the sunset. Wow! And they missed the shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay, but I didn't get the shot either. I didn't get the shot either. Okay. Because sometimes when I'm with guests and they were photography specific guests, then mm-hmm. then I'm just focusing on them, then I just leave my camera behind. Mm-hmm. But I just enjoyed the moment. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. You're not gonna yeah. forget it. It's like in your mind. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we are coming like the whole team when um when we're like financially stable, we're coming to Bandarpur. Done. I would love to host you, please. Yes. Please. Done. <laughs> done. Done. I would absolutely love that. There's so many people literally who come uh, on on these safaris. Mm-hmm. Literally, there was a girl who was 15 year old from Mumbai who came. and she came alone her, her and and she last day she cried so much she didn't want to leave oh she yeah had such a great time she literally <laughs> cried on my shoulder she said, i don't want to leave <laughs> i'm like i know <laughs> yeah i mean time. you would tend to prefer that kind of a life than here i mean yeah, majority yeah. would it, it does come with a lot of difficulties mm-hmm. and sacrifices um, right. you know i think people miss the fact uh because of the glorification on social media on mm-hmm. lifestyles like these people miss that we are really far away from family for the most of the time mm-hmm. we don't have a structured schedule we work 15 hours a day 16 hours a day mm-hmm. sometimes i hardly get sleep when i'm out there i wake up at 3:45 a.m. every day and then i sleep at 10 11 mm-hmm. so that and every day you're just out in the bush right. and it really gets to you sometimes because mm. i love it i love it but my body sometimes can't handle yeah. it okay yeah. for just just for our viewers uh i want i want people to log in or or go on july 29th which is global mm-hmm. tiger day right. and go on to tv.suyashkeshri.com okay uh, which is going to be a new platform and the series is not going to come out yet but mm-hmm. go there and just sign up for the newsletter so you can understand what's coming up and and keep getting uh, the ideas done yeah. i'll keep this up on instagram as well done done for sure <laughs> super done. excited yeah all the best 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, another question that a lot of viewers had was: uh, Is relocating animals out of their natural habitat ethical, or is just done for commercial purposes? Uh, relocation is very important when it comes to wildlife conservation. Mm -hmm. Relocation to putting them into zoos and 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 that's not good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, for example, wildlife conservation. Let's say, let's say there's this national park called uh, or there's this wildlife sanctuary called Ratapani in in Madhya Pradesh. Okay. Ratapani only has 19 tigers. Okay, that's the estimation. Let's say that 19 tigers becomes two tigers today. Then a place like Bandhavgarh, which has a lot of tigers, mm. you can take those tigers, a few of them, and then relocate them to Ratapani mm. right. to actually help the population regrow and rejuvenate over time. Okay. That kind of relocation is very good. For example, there's another national park in uh, near Bandhavgarh called Sanjay Dubri National Park, mm. where because of years and years of hunting, poaching, the deer population came down. That's why the tiger population came down. So a few of the tigers from Bandhavgarh were relocated mm. there. Approximately 2,000 deer were relocated from Bandhavgarh to Sanjay Dubri. And now Sanjay Dubri is a very good habitat. Mm -hmm. So things like that are very important. Right. But when those things are done so that, you know, animals are caught and sent to zoos, I hate that. No. I absolutely hate that. Right. No, I don't support it. Yeah. No. But I had a question because uh, so tigers are highly territorial, right? So when yeah. they shift from one place to another, are there some behavioral modifications? Because I, I'm aware that they are almost in the same kind of environment, but it's yet not the same as they were before. So no, so the environment can be completely different. Mm -hmm. Tigers are highly adaptable. Okay. So are leopards, so are lions. They're very mm -hmm. adaptable. So the, the environment can be completely different mm -hmm. and that's okay. But when you're putting a tiger in a place that has other tigers, then of course there yeah. are chances of, of, um, kind of, uh, fights and, mm -hmm. and problems going through between the tigers. But that's why you usually only relocate tigers from tiger surplus areas to uh, tiger deficit, deficit areas. Right. Because if, if the tiger goes into a deficit area, let's see, this is the deficit area and this point has a tiger, this point has a tiger, but this has no tigers. Mm -hmm. Let's say you drop the tiger here and he goes towards the other two tigers mm -hmm. and then they, they nearly get into a fight, but then the tiger goes back and then he, he, he claims that, that this area is empty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They just claim the empty space. Okay. okay. When they, the most fights happen when they're not able to find empty spaces. Uh, for example, in place like Bandhavgarh, we can only have between 65 and 72 tigers, mm -hmm. but our population is 134. So, so that's how? not good at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There's a lot of, a lot of fights and mm -hmm. we have to relocate a lot of them. Uh, a lot of a lot of the tigers also use the corridor, which are like play parks. One park is connected to another park. Okay. So Bandhavgarh is connected to Sanjay Dubri. Okay. But the corridor is very small. Mm -hmm. Earlier, it used to be incredibly large. Bandhavgarh was connected to Panna, Sanjay Dubri, Chhattisgarh, mm -hmm. Amarkantak, uh, Kanha, but now it's not so. What happened? Like, really why is it not connected? 
because of uh, human habitation, because of um. farmlands, because of cities, settlements, roads, mm -hmm. railway lines, mines, all of those things coming up. Yeah. Okay. Because we had an instance over here uh, in Bombay where um, penguins were brought to the Mumbai Zoo. Now these oh, penguins no. were um, humbled. I'm not like sure if I'm pronouncing them correctly. Humbled penguins, humbled, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. now even when you get them, you need to have the infrastructure, right? And you won't believe it in a week or two of getting them over here. One female penguin and one baby chick died. And when I read up about it, uh, firstly, they said that it was lack of infrastructure or there was even food poisoning. So environmentalists like protested and all. So I just wanted to bring it out like um, there was no need. There was actually no need. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it was just very, very sad to see them relocated yeah. and then for this to happen. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you for sharing that because that just goes on to say, right? Again, we are relocating penguins from thousands and thousands right. of miles away right. to a place like Mumbai, mm -hmm. where they face so much heat and humidity, which they're exactly. not used to. Right. And we only do that so people like you and I can go and see go penguins. And, yeah, take the ticket and watch it. I mean, yeah. um, like that's again, oh, it should be for our, uh, it should be for human entertainment. Mm -hmm. No. Then people like, oh, you know, people are learning. Mm. Well, people are learning the wrong things. A lot of people like to argue with me saying, you know, zoos are very educational. Well, yes, they're educational, but they're educating the young minds about the wrong things. Mm. They're educating people that, okay, humans are the topmost species mm. and animals belong in the zoos or animals. Mm. It's okay to take animals from the wild and put them into zoos. It's not okay. Um, they're also not being taught that you can find other ways of enjoying right. wildlife and environment as well. So, no, I, yeah, I really it's, disagree. Especially with, with city bred kids, it's very restricted to zoos. Like even while growing up, yeah. I've seen it. You wouldn't um, like venture into anything else, but ha, zoo hai neither. Let's go there oh, only. So yeah. uh, that attitude people, shift. Yeah, and they're not able to appreciate when they when they reach a national park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of people come to Bandhavgarh, right. they're hmm. like, Aray, good tiger to Nagpur Zoo. Mein hai. Jaiye bhai, aap Nagpur Zoo jaiye. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah. um, I just wanted to ask how, how effective are the laws that are implemented in Bandhavgarh and around India generally? Look, uh, environmental laws in India when it comes to wildlife protection are one of the strictest, mm -hmm. especially the 1970s Wildlife Act mm -hmm. and, and, and all of those, those acts that, that actually are implemented regarding a specific species such as tigers, leopards, sloth bears. Mm -hmm. They're very strict, but somehow the implementation um, is, is uneven. I'm not going to say it's lacking because mm -hmm. places like Kanha, Bandhavgarh uh, are very, very strict and the laws are very harshly implemented. Mm -hmm. But then other places kind of lose out, which don't have enough protection. For okay. example, a place like Chhattisgarh, mm -hmm. where I grew up in Chhattisgarh in Madhya Pradesh. Chhattisgarh used to have amazing forests and it used to have a huge population of tigers. Mm -hmm. 
but as per the previous count in Chhattisgarh, the tiger numbers are less than ten. Um, oh my god! So you have such a large state, mm. but the tiger population has vanished. Right. So that just shows that the laws have not been implemented mm. properly. Versus in 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 a place like Madhya Pradesh, even though there is poaching, I'm not going to say there isn't poaching. Mm. There is poaching. Even though there is there is a lot of problems, our tiger population has increased. We okay. have more than 500 tigers in yeah. in in Madhya Pradesh, compared to less than 10 in Chhattisgarh. Okay. Um, so. So. It's 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 difficult, you know, especially in a place like India, where where most of the population is rural, where the most mm-hmm. of the population is 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 um, undereducated, mm-hmm. and most of the population really cares about just getting from day one to day two, day two to day three. Right. It, it's difficult. Yeah. Okay, so. Um... and we went through your igtvs you mentioned uh, about a defense mechanism that trees have and they yeah. turn their leaves bitter yeah. <laughs> that was super cool yeah. <laughs> because right? again we've not learned this in school right we just know that animals have defense mechanisms so this was really yeah. informative so i wanted to ask you if you know of any rare and uh, maybe like the audience would never have heard of kind of a defense mechanism be it for plants or for animals Good question. Let me think for a second. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll say something very, very, very common. And um, okay, mm-hmm. so by the way, I want to make a comment of the schools things. We learn everything about photosynthesis, mitochondria, chlorophyll, all that. <laughs> but i'm I sorry i don't understand even as a naturalist and a, and a mm. wildlife enthusiast and someone who's well, wildlife i won't say wildlife enthusiast now, <laughs> i call myself a wildlife expert i'm just saying yeah. but you get that point but, uh, <laughs> but the point is that doesn't help us Okay, learning so, something about a defense mechanism of a right, tree helps us. Right. I um so I'm a science student till the 10th and then I dropped it because yeah. I couldn't go ahead. Uh and we had this formula for photosynthesis <laughs> which we learned and we like we had to mug by heart. I don't know the relevance of it even today. And even for the next 50 years of my life I do not know how it's going to help me. So I <laughs> I don't agree. Yeah. versus i wish we were taught like okay you know these are different kinds of trees mm. and these are the benefits maybe if you if you want to plant a tree right. we we always told plant a tree hmm. yeah okay, right? which tree which tree okay because mm. it's not like you just plant a seed and it becomes a tree it doesn't happen like that then tell us the easiest tree to plant tell us how to nurture mm. the tree tell us how to see it grow till adulthood uh, right. tell us how to take care of it similarly like what if schools taught us medicinal properties of different trees mm, or the right. importance of different trees and how the trees actually interact with the soil that's going to be helpful mm-hmm. for saving the environment um but coming back to your question so a lot of us think that snakes for example they have a defense mechanism which we already know what is it poison venom not poison okay sorry Venom. venom. <laughs> It's okay. So there's a difference between poisonous and venomous as well. So venom is something that is injected into you. Poison is something that if you 
kind of take it in, then it's poison. So mushrooms are poisonous, okay. snakes are venomous. Ah, uh, just a little distinction. Okay. So we always think that snakes have venom and snakes have a bite force. That is, those are the two things that kind of uh, repel different predators or repel mm. humans and our defense mechanisms. But snakes have another de defense mechanism. When you actually hold a snake, so let's say let's say a predator has been able to avoid the snake bite, mm -hmm. and actually is holding the snake. Hmm. The snakes actually release this stress toxin in their body, which is really really pungent, incredibly pungent. Okay. And I say this because you know I've rescued a lot of snakes and I've held them in my hand, and and especially this this one snake that I was rescuing and releasing last year. I'll share the video with you. Mm -hmm. This guy smelled so bad. It felt like I'm holding a dead human. Oh it was disgusting. And it, it, it was slithering in my hand right here. But somehow the, the, the smell just went everywhere. And it was mm -hmm. on me for three days, even though I took like two, oh four, five showers. Mm -hmm. it, it was just disgusting. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I couldn't sleep properly. I, I just couldn't even be with myself. I, I, it was just there. It was Constantly disgusting. reminding you of its presence. I exactly. But it was like, it was a really, really bad. And I can't explain it. It, it literally smells like a dead, dead person or a dead yeah. animal. Damn. It was disgusting. So that is a defense mechanism, which most people don't know. Yeah, yeah I recommend it. No one, I think, watching this would know it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. so um, until now, which was the most dangerous, yet most adventurous location that you've shot in? Location. I think I think both Bandhagarn and, and um, South Africa for mm -hmm. me have been equally dangerous and equally adventurous. Bandhavgar, I've spent just so much time there. I've right. had all kinds of, I've been in all kinds of situations people can imagine. Mm -hmm. Beat with tigers charging at me, leopards charging at me, elephants charging at me, nearly stepping on a, a spectacled cobra, which is a snake. Wow, what happened at that time? I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this happened, uh, Two days, okay? Two two days. One another snake, one spectacle cobra. So one day I was just walking around and just going on a bird walk just by myself. And when I'm walking around, I tend to kind of look left, right, and then on the floor just to see if I can pick up some pug marks or any other signs. So I was looking left, right, left, right, okay, and this is November time. And I I, I saw really far away kind of you know a few twigs and bushes then beyond that i saw a stick on the ground so i kept walking kept walking left right left right and as soon as i got closer to the stick i didn't even pay attention to it it was just completely still on mm. the ground mm. and i was literally about to step on it when the stick moved and i jumped back i jumped back really hard yeah. and the snake just came up and then slithered back it slithered um, back oh okay it didn't charge yeah, it, it got okay. scared no it can't it can't most snakes snakes aren't aren't again it would have probably bit me 
if if I was about to step on it or if I stepped on it. Um, mm. Snakes aren't malicious. Snakes never charge. They never okay. come for you. It just does not happen. Yeah. It only happens in cartoons. Uh, yeah, and, no. And yeah, so uh, another question. Yeah. Pop culture yeah. has kind of molded our minds to think of certain animals in a certain way. Like, yeah. I mean, snakes are evil if you ask any like you know like, yeah. because you've seen it like even in magazines like i'm not talking of magazines sorry i meant comics even bollywood yes but bo- oh bollywood and how didn't we tap into that <laughs> yeah bollywood in in uh in media mm-hmm. uh, ka atank hua is mein. that's the kind of stuff they say <laughs> i know i know i know uh, it's just like uh, generalized yeah so in the same incident uh, or similar incident the second time i was kind of jumping into a a, a a fence or like from a fence into um our property back because i didn't want to take the long way i just was like you know i'm tired i'm just going to jump our fence so i jumped the fence and i landed one and a half feet away from a spectacle cobra and looking at the spectacle cobra, I jumped back and fell on the fence. And the spectacle cobra lost it and ran like I've never seen a snake run. Like it, it slithered away so fast and like it was actually loud. Like and then it just ran. <laughs> it was like, what did I see? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you see, he was as scared. He or she was as scared, scared of is. me as I was of mm-hmm. them. Similarly with the other snake, uh, which was mm-hmm. on the, just like there, like they're really scared of us. And the only, it's like today, if you're walking around in the, in the, in the city, okay. And if a mm-hmm. random guy comes and taps on your shoulder, holds your shoulder mm-hmm. and your immediate thing would be like, yeah, back off, mm-hmm. hit him, right. But with snakes, since they're venomous, when they do that, unfortunately, we either collapse, mm. pa- uh, pass out, or we die. Yeah. That's just their defense mechanism. Because think of snakes. Otherwise, without the venom, they are one of the easiest things to kill. Because they, they, you know, they hardly have a bone structure. Their bone mm. structure is so thin that you know, if you actually ha- mishandle a snake, you'll break its vertebrae. Yeah. Um, they're just there. They're very easy to kill. So it's just a defense mechanism right. that God has put in them. Mm-hmm. You have to think like that. Yeah. That's a different perspective. Like, never thought of it that way. Nice yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so could you teach us some alarm calls? Like, the audience is like wanting to know. <laughs> um, sure, 100%. Um, Okay, let's let's start with my favorite. We're gonna start with langur. Okay, so langur monkeys, when they see a tiger, uh, and when they see a leopard, or when they see any other predator in the mm. forest floor, they make an alarm call. So when langur see a tiger, they go like, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when they see when they see a leopard, then two langurs will call. Okay, when they see a tiger, only one langur mm. will call. When they see a leopard, two langurs will call. Because leopards can climb a tree mm-hmm. and nothing scares a langur as much as a leopard, not even a tiger. Okay. When a leopard 
is there and a langoosh is a leopard so of course they're making that coughing sound mm-hmm. but then one other langoosh will kind of make this screeching sound as well like like that okay. and then you know there's a leopard around uh so those are a few alarm calls and other ones i'm going to leave it for my series <laughs> yeah. it's going to take two months to come out done so. done done but um so they are calling out to like their so species or just each other mm-hmm. and of course the uh, the forest gets alert okay because just like how i would know that this is a langur alarm called deer recognize it as well uh birds recognize it other animals recognize it mm okay yeah yeah so um where do you see wildlife in the future for india like mm-hmm. is it going to get better if yes how if no why and um, do you think our generation is going to save it or no ah uh, wow heavy question <laughs> see i think i think in india the unfortunately most places in india will become islands of paradise covered by a concrete ocean people places like ranthambore have already become that they don't have mm-hmm. corridors there'll be a lot of inbreeding because of that mm-hmm. and a lot of inbreeding means the gene pool is actually going to go down and then one small disease can kill all the animals okay. so unless we make a concentrated effort at not only connecting different national parks but also maintaining those connections and making sure that there's not only one point of connection there are multiple points of connection Mm-hmm. Unless we do that, there's going to be a huge problem for India's wildlife. Okay. Places like Bandavgar, places like Ranthambore, Panna, Corbett, Kanha, mm. Kabini, they're always going to be there. Like even 50 years down the line, they are going to be there because they're protected national parks. Mm-hmm. But will they be as uh you know, as good as they are now or mm-hmm. as good as they were 50 years ago? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. There'll be a degraded version of it. They they might lack the same species mm-hmm. maybe. Um if we can't protect animals, they might even disappear. If we can't get our hold on climate change and global warming, we'll see all of these forests which mm-hmm. a lot of them are moist deciduous forests turn into dry deciduous forests, dry deciduous forests turn into deserts, mm-hmm. evergreen forests turn into dry deciduous forests and so on and so forth yeah. in the years to come. And then the question about whether our generation is going to save it i believe that our generation is going to be the catalyst to the change and and but the problem is mm. not enough i don't think it's enough um uh, rather i don't think enough people are involved in mm. in conservation right. or in thinking about saving nature um india has the largest population of of millennials and generation right. z but sadly because of the rat race to get the best job mm-hmm. best salary best house best car best grades uh, topping the 10th board topping the 12th boards sadly because of all yeah. of this we're forgetting the important things in life and that's mm-hmm. also one of them is our environment right. our emotions our finances our families our own business our entrepreneurial mm-hmm. drive or just the fact that you need to find a way to love yourself 
we can't if we can't do those things then forget saving the tiger hmm forget yeah. saving the leopards forget saving their habitat um so i i i think i think the more people we are able to find a way mm-hmm. to kind of inspire get connected the better it will be right because again right my quote um says what we can see we can love and what we can love we'll fight to protect mm-hmm. and that is number one priority we have to get people connected the few people who have come with me on a safari and the kids one of them was from delhi she was 5 years old one of them was from mumbai who was okay. 11 years old mm-hmm. and the 5 year old said to to a parakeet she like oh what's this bird i've never seen it mm-hmm. i was like oh that's so cute that you actually interested in it right but then that also made me think like she has never seen that seen that exactly that's so sad i i grew up seeing that when i was like 2 or 3 years old because mm-hmm. i grew up in central india then like then the 11 year old said i've never seen um anything besides pigeon crow and parakeets so the 11 year old has only seen three, three kind of birds in yeah. his life and he said of course a peacock as well mm-hmm. four kinds of birds and i'm like there are 1500 species of birds in india right. and it it just made me sad because it's not his fault it's the the fault is actually on 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 kind of his, the the system that he's in yeah because and it's not even the parents fault because the the educational system prioritizes right. um you know rote learning marks learning yeah yeah rote learning learning sign con tan theta and all of this which oh i still don't know no i still know. don't know and i, I don't mean, know how it'll help me in my life agreed if you want to pursue something related to it go ahead and study it but you know again diversification of subjects keep uh, stuff that actually exactly. matters practical yeah. stuff yeah. so um 100% yeah. like especially you're in school like you would totally understand this yeah. because it it drives me nuts yeah. drives me nuts i know i and know. don't get me wrong i got really good grades so i don't want people to think you know oh suyar said that so we're going to stop studying and just no it's not that. about no. that i yeah. know it right. just it's... i i got really good grades i i mm. went to a great college i got really good grades there mm. and I, the reason i got good grades is because i like studying but i also never gave other people a chance to question me right um you know he he oh he does this because he didn't get good grades no i got yeah. fantastic grades and and everyone listening should get fantastic grades but in the process remember to be analytical and question what you're learning right yeah don't just learn for the sake of it that's yeah i mean 100% agree wow i think this should be like a to i'll send this to a few schools if i can please go please. ahead <laughs> okay deal, 100% so um there is this aspect in design called biomimicry so for example yeah. um a bullet train is inspired by a kingfisher aeroplanes are inspired by birds So if you were to design a product which animal would you choose and what characteristics or qualities would you inculcate Yeah I would choose a dung beetle Why because they're okay. one of the strongest living beings on our planet uh, they can lift 
like i don't even know the exact amount but like more than 100 times their body weight and they are incredibly strong if you drop them from like the 8th floor and they fall down on their back it'll hurt them but then mm-hmm. they like kind of squiver around and then stand up and then just go about their ways and they also they you they they use all of the strength to actually help the environment they don't hurt the environment right. they're not predators mm-hmm. they don't kill other beings and eat it they actually f- feed off of dung Mm-hmm. and when they roll the dungs and take it from one spot to another they actually help in pollinating a lot of yeah. the trees a lot of the seeds uh they actually help in 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 the process of fertilization and i would like to design something like that i would like wow. to find a way that it's indestructible it's beneficial for the environment and essentially it's it's really cute and really beautiful as well like you know a lot of people are scared right. of insects but next time you see a dung beetle just take a deep breath and try getting closer to it and see it's mm-hmm. it's coating it's a metallic green or metallic blue that shines and it's so beautiful it is so beautiful and then you you start thinking like an insect right you start mm. thinking or you start thinking even as human and try being a little more sensitive. Hmm. So God has made something like that and we're usually scared of them. Yeah. But you're right next to them, it's not biting you. It's not killing you, it's not stinging you. It's just going on around its business mm-hmm. and doing its thing. It's something like that and we're usually scared of them. Yeah. But you're right next to them, it's not biting you. It's not killing you, it's not stinging you. It's just going on around its business mm-hmm. and doing its thing. Just observe. Yeah. So since you spoke about like people getting scared of insects, so especially with city bred kids, this is like, you know, you see and see a lizard or see a small cockroach. Yeah. So um how do we bring that same um love and focus like how we like tigers and lions so how do we get that same level of understanding towards insects as well um because i mean hmm, go ahead no please go ahead no No, i meant like for tigers and lions there is a safari there is a national park but what about insects how how can you tap into that i think firstly like people who are scared of insects of lizards of bees mm. i think it's completely fine to be scared of them right. i don't want to shame them at all mm. i think a lot of the people are like oh how can you be scared of a bee or how can mm. you be scared of a lizard i mean if someone is scared they're scared yeah i think what needs to happen is at a very early age um they need to be taught that every being is important and every being has a personality and character if you step on an ant it's going to die and its family is also going to mourn for it just like your family mourns right. for it so if you tell that to a 5 year old watch it never step on an ant again hmm. but if you tell that to a 18 year old or like a, even a 40 year old they're like oh who cares about hmm. ants feeling squashed my point is I said this in my recent post as well young minds are mendable and bendable. Mm. Unfortunately we mend them and bend them in the wrong ways. Wrong. Mm. If you mend them and bend them in a right way 
from early childhood they'll be fine like mm. when i there's only one thing in life that i don't mind killing and that's mosquitoes <laughs> me too <laughs> that's yeah. just the only thing but yeah. i would i i like when i'm driving a vehicle in the in the forest sometimes like i i you know drive over a like a an army of fans and i just feel so, so bad because yeah. i didn't see them or i do that or if i step on an ant by mistake mm. i actually feel very very guilty mm. because i was taught that at a very young age right. um whether it is through tv shows or through my nana ji or through my other family members mm. and i think that has to change it has to be at a young age yeah on the flip side for people like you and i or people older than us in the 30s 40s 50s for them to get accustomed is more difficult mm-hmm. the way i see that is you know i don't have to get them to love the bee the frog or the insect mm. but let's try getting them so if they like tigers okay yeah. they like tigers right. let's tell them that this is the tiger's forest and over 1500 species of birds live in this forest mm-hmm. over 10000 insects live in this forest 20000 species of trees mm. 5000 species of uh, butterflies or uh, fish whatever mm-hmm. you get my point right. it's an ecosystem so if you save the tiger then you save everything like that so oh, by yeah. getting them to save the tiger so mm-hmm. the umbrella species right. right we we read about the umbrella species but we truly don't understand, understand. what the umbrella species is mm. so the tiger if if you save the tiger in its forest then i have achieved my goal mm. at getting you to save the honeybee no. the insect and the frog even though you don't like all of them mm. and i don't need you to love all of them yeah. it's okay i understand mm. some things might be scary mm. but let's just even remove the tiger then you make another species the hero of that environment food chain yeah let's, like you're just helping yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's remove any of the predators. Mm. And you make trees the important species. Mm. Let's take sal tree in central India or in north let's take pine tree. Mm. Let's make right. pine tree the hero. Essentially what people need is they need to connect with the species mm. whether it's a tree or an animal. Make them fall in love with that and then once they're in love with that then everything around it will Both. be safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got it. that's good okay so um anything that you want to tell like our target audience which is primarily like 15 to 25 year olds for pursuing an yeah. unconventional career i like that you tapped into the point of it being like you're you're away from family and you know it's it's not as easy and glorified as it looks on social media and in movies so yeah. what would you like to tell them yeah I think for all the younger generation who want to go into this field I want to say I want to give very honest advice. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of the most difficult things they try in their life because it's like think like an entrepreneur, okay? You are going on an artistic entrepreneurial journey or na- kind of mm-hmm. getting into a naturalist environment, but mm-hmm. this is an entrepreneurial journey. Um and you have to think like an entrepreneur you have to think in ways that you can be independent that you can't that you don't have to rely on <clears throat> other people right. for finances or achieving success mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. to go about it independently do your own research 
learn as much as possible yourself read a lot of books gain mm-hmm. as much knowledge as possible get real life experiences talk to locals uh don't rely on other professionals in the industry to give you opportunity create an opportunity create, uh, for yourself mm-hmm. uh, in fact i wrote a, a open letter to this young uh naturalist uh, aman sharma uh you could see the post that i did was it for birds of india birds I... of india so i think you should link that post here I so will. that everyone should read that post like it's, it's going to take a while to read that but that advice is what someone should always follow and and just know that you know if you want to do something you have to go a whole hearted go at it right um and then if you think you're failing then try assessing your feelings mm-hmm. one week from now two weeks from now three weeks from now four weeks from now five mm-hmm. weeks from now and just know that if you're not able to succeed it is okay to give up i think we are yeah the we, fear we of are, uh, failing at something is very predominant exactly. in us like it's yeah. unacceptable <laughs> 100% and you know we hear the we hear this word never give up never give mm-hmm. up but the thing is like if something's not working out for you specifically mm-hmm. then it's okay to move right. on but make an informed decision mm-hmm. don't give up because you're tired give up because you have grown out of it right 100% right um i i would say to the young audience like find ways to get creative find ways to uh get out there uh find ways to move away from the screen and go out and experience mm. um come on a safari with me i would love to host you Done. Um, that would be amazing <laughs> for anyone listening to this podcast and i i tell you it'll be a truly spectacular experience i've taken over 100 people um on a safari with me in the past 2 t- years and I I kid you not it, we are a community we are a family we are always there for each other and the things you learn out there with me in the right. field um is more than a classroom can teach you 100% much much yeah. more <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100% yeah okay so just a very casual question what we came across this on your website why is your pet name sushi um my pet name is actually not sushi that's just a nickname that okay yeah it's not it's not an official pet name uh my nick that's that's like a nickname that a lot of my friends have given me okay Um, but do you personally like sushi uh i like suyash the most i I love my name and and i just like the name but but So I'll tell you okay mostly it was girls who used to call me sushi. Oh. Yeah. Sushi. All, all my friends who are girls they call me sushi. Uh my guy friends used to call me sush. Um Okay. That's cool. Yeah, sush um mm. but but girls usually sushi. So it's just stuck around sush or sushi, sushi. just Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We thought like you had some like underlying meaning as to why but then <laughs> no, I think it's just because suyar sushi and sushi, yeah. Mhm. Okay, thank yeah. you so much. Had an amazing yeah, time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Um thank you for having me. This was great and I hope this was helpful for your audience. It was. I had fun and I hope you had fun as well. I had a lot of and fun. I hope I hope great. you like the questions. <laughs> 
Yes, I I really like the questions because a lot of the other questions that I've I've taken are, are overdone, and mm-hmm. um, I I really don't like answering the same questions over and over again, yeah. which I've already answered on other um, like public platforms. Uh, yeah. Personally, if the if a, if a, if someone's on a safari with me or someone's meeting me and they're asking mm. the same questions I've already talked about, I'm happy to answer yeah. them. But a public platform, I don't want to do ten. Mm. podcast talking about the same questions same right on again to different things um so thank you for doing that yeah it was a thank pleasure thank you i look you forward so to much. meeting you i look Done. forward to hosting you on a safari 100% and what you're doing is great uh you thank are you. entrepreneurial in your in your ways and i hope you're very successful <laughs> thank and you if you ever need anything i'm here sure for sure and um like i don't know when but i will be coming for the safari Sure. Out of that, done deal. Thank you for watching. It's Azmin, your host. If you like this, go ahead and give us a big thumbs up. Subscribe. Hit on the bell icon to get notified for future podcast episodes. And comment what you learned from this one. Share it with someone so we all learn, grow, and evolve together.